Welcome into another edition of the Fantasy Football Podcast with Cody and Nick. Cody, uh, how are you doing this evening, my man? I'm doing good. Uh, we are on we're recording Thursday night, right before a three day weekend. So looking forward to uh, some nice, you know, nice relaxing weekend. We got some college football on this weekend, so that's going to be uh, interesting to say the least. And Kansas just legalized sports gambling, so I can finally do one of my favorite things legally. So. Um, <laughs> It's a big day. You lucky man. Yeah, big day for me here. Um, you know, two streets over into Kansas, so just just barely lucky enough to be able to gamble. But um, no, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Well, uh, a little disappointed now that I realize I live in between Illinois and Kansas, so I just I can I can taste the the sports betting on either side of me, but I don't get to actually participate yeah. in a in a legal fashion, unfortunately. And right so, above you because it's legal in Iowa too. Well, I didn't need to know that. That's, uh, that's pretty disappointing, I gotta say. Uh, that makes me feel even a little worse if that was possible. So, uh, you just uh, brought my mood down a couple notches. But other than that, I was uh, I was having a pretty nice night before that. Um, we just had our draft last weekend for our four man keeper league that we've uh, discussed a few times on the show. Uh, Cody, you want to give me just a quick quick uh, couple sentences on how you feel about your team? Yeah, for sure. Um, my keepers were amazing, which definitely is going to help me. Uh, I traded my first round pick, so depth is something I'm concerned about going into the season. But uh, top to bottom, starting lineup, Trey Lance, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Justin Jefferson, Darnell Mooney, um, uh, Njoku, the Cleveland tight end. Saquon Barkley, Alan Lazard, and then an empty kicker spot for right now. So uh, pretty happy going into the season, but I think there's going to be a lot of work for me to uh, get back to the stature I had my team last year. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about my team? Are you is this one get, got you concerned at all? Well, uh, your keepers were very strong, so I feel like the the core of your team is uh, pretty solid. I can't really argue with uh, with the, the the guys in the middle there, Eckler, Jefferson. Barkley and um, Najee Harris is a pretty strong four people to start with there. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be a, a pretty good situation moving forward there. I mean, Lance at your quarterback is probably my only biggest concern just because you don't have a quality backup there. And this is a 12 man league. So the waiver wire is not quite as, uh, you know, plentiful with the quarterback position as it might be in some other smaller leagues. But um, yeah, I mean, th- those four guys are going to, you know, that's, that's a good place to start for you. So I think, um, I think your team will be just fine as long as uh, you keep up with the management in season. Why? On my um, side of things, why would you be worried about Trey Lance? Does it have anything to do with the, you know the team re-signing his uh, you know the old QB one you know earlier this <laughs> earlier this week after we'll, our draft happened? We'll get into, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into uh, the Jimmy G stuff on when For we sure. run through the news and notes here in a minute. But uh, yeah, I think that is definitely part of it. it makes me a little concerned that he uh, you know has the potential of being benched now, whereas before it was kind of like. Whether or not he's bad, he's going to be the guy. So, um, yeah, my team, I, I feel solid about. I have uh, Cook and Diggs uh, were my two big keepers. I also had ETN and Judy. They're kind of the you know the, the high high ceiling, low floor guys that I took. But um, other than that, Brady at my quarterback. Uh, I got Goddard at tight end, Edmonds, and uh, Godwin currently in my flexes. So I'm really hoping that Godwin's knee holds up. We'll talk about him uh, a little bit later in the uh, wide receiver rankings portion of the show. That's going to be the meat of our content today. 
Before we get started, uh, I just want to, again, remind everybody to please comment, like, and subscribe to the videos. Give us a five-star review if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate any and all support that you guys can throw our way. Cody, uh, anything else before we jump into the news and notes here? No, other than you snaked my uh, Chase Edmonds pick. You picked him. He was, was my number one cute guy, and then I saw him go off the board right before me, and there was visible anger on my face for sure. So that was a good. I was going to say you were one of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, Cody was on a uh, on a road trip while we were doing our draft, so he wasn't uh, with us. We had about eight or nine of the guys uh, present in the same room, and there was a few audible groans when I made my Chase Edmonds pick. It made me feel uh, pretty good about that selection. So <laughs> that's awesome. I think that was one of my favorite value picks that I had uh, throughout the draft there. But uh, we got a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and uh, run through these news and notes real quick. Um, the big one that happened over the weekend, this is a uh, – really scary situation uh, when it happened brian robinson shot multiple times in the lower body uh in an attempted carjacking miraculously it seems like uh, i mean he's already been released from the hospital and uh, at this point they're talking about you know a mid-season return he's been placed on the nfi list which means that he will miss the first four weeks but uh it's obviously football is secondary here uh just really thankful that brian robinson is okay and uh thank god that he's he's already out of the out, out of the hospital so that's that's really good to hear and the fact that he's even thinking about football is uh is pretty miraculous considering the circumstances but um yeah just hope for a good recovery for brian robinson and uh you know thankfully he's not hurt worse than he was yeah you said it perfectly there so i'll go ahead and move on to the uh second thing here Kenyon drake signed mm-hmm. with the ravens um this is definitely – I think that this is bigger news for J.K. Dobbins more than anything. Um, there's also been a video that leaked of J.K. Dobbins um, limping after a drill. So his you know, status going into week one I would say is very questionable, even maybe doubtful for you know fantasy value. So I don't think Kenyon Drake's anyone worth picking up except for maybe a spot start week one or week two. Um, but just – I think it's more news for J.K. Dobbins than it is for Kenyon Drake himself. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Drake himself, like you said, <clears throat> maybe worth a flyer. And, uh, you know, if, if he got dropped in a dynasty league that you're in, you want to go ahead and scoop him up, he might be useful if a couple of the guys go down. I mean, any running back on the Ravens has the potential to be useful. But uh, uh, And then I think Mike Davis is uh, any, any potential week one or two flex value that he had is probably uh, a lot murkier at this point too. So I think that's kind of the other fallback here. But, yeah, like you said, Definitely just uh, a little bit more concern about Dobbins and Gus Edwards as far as where they are in their recovery. Uh, seems like the Ravens themselves are not incredibly confident that one of those two are going to be ready to go. So, uh, yeah, if you have Dobbins penciled in your starting lineup, I would uh, make other plans for sure because it doesn't seem like he's going to be there week one or two. And even if he is, uh, he'll probably be worked in slowly. So you're going to want to you're going to want somebody else for week one and probably week two for Dobbins. Uh, I just I, I want to see it from him before I put him in my lineup uh, confidently. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, anything else on the Ravens there, or do you want to move on? Nope, you summed it up perfectly. Next thing, Sony Michelle cut from Miami, signs with the Chargers. Um, when we did our running backs episode, we had Derrick Henry above Austin Eckler. One thing that is just kind of concerning for the Chargers for me is that they have been obsessed with finding out who their backup running back is going to be for a lot of this offseason training camp and preseason I think that they're going to try and lighten Austin Eckler's workload a little bit. Um, so that's why, ultimately, I think I'd maybe move him down, maybe even 
you know, another spot or two. I might be overthinking it a little bit, but again, for me, it's just weird that they're so concerned about finding a backup running back um, when you have Austin Eckler, who's the guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they've always kind of wanted somebody else to mix in with Eckler. Uh, they, you know, Eckler's not a huge guy. He's kind of slight uh, compared to other starting running backs in the league. So I, I feel like they've always sort of wanted to split the carries with him, whether it's Josh Kelly last year or uh, the Mizzou boy, uh, Larry Roundtree, they tried to work in a little bit last year as well. Uh, but yeah, they, you're right. They have kind of been searching for that. I think this says more about Isaiah Spiller, honestly, than it does uh, Austin Eckler. I, I think we were already a spot or two below consensus on Eckler, so I didn't move yeah. him at all. But um, yeah, I would just say if you had Spiller in a redraft league, you can go ahead and drop him. He's probably not going to be the handcuff to um, – to Austin Eckler, and I wouldn't think Michelle is either. So I would just go ahead and, you know, you're going to probably just be in a running back by committee situation if Austin Eckler goes down. So don't don't bother hanging on to one of his backups uh, if if you have him on your roster. I would just go ahead and wait and pick up one of the guys that emerges after the fact. Uh, Marlon Mack was also cut from the Texans. He signed with the practice squad. The Damian Pierce hype continues to skyrocket here. Uh, not much else to say here. I think. You know, obviously we like Pierce, but I think the hype's gotten a little out of control. I probably wouldn't take him before the sixth round in any draft, but uh, if he's still there in the sixth or seventh, you know, he's he's probably going to be the guy at this point. It seems like the Texans have uh, pretty much committed to him. Yeah, I am stoked about Damian Pierce. I got him a lot over the last weekend when his draft value was ninth through 11th round. Um, obviously with Marlon Mack getting cut, I mean, he is going to be the RB one there. I definitely understand him moving up, but I agree with Nick anything before the sixth round, he better work out. Otherwise you're burning a pick. Um, so you're not going to get him in the ninth to 11th. Like I did last weekend. Um, but I, I agree. I think kind of that sixth round running back is where I would be willing to take the risk on him. Um, and I see a lot of jokes on social media about him sneaking into like, upper rounds don't don't be that person it's it's not worth trying to call your shot um i would just take the more proven player that early than a rookie running yeah. back on a bad team and in, in all honesty agree so. yeah that's the point that i kind of wanted to get to you you just hit it right there is that he's still a running back on the texans even if he's the starter and he gets all the work um you know they're they're not going to be a great team they're going to be down most of the time so the opportunities to uh grind Damian Pierce on the ground in the second half are probably going to be few and far between. So For sure. I would just not reach on him, but yeah, again, seventh, uh, eighth round, if he's still there, go ahead and take him. Uh, Dobbins week one availability in doubt. We just kind of touched on that so we can move on. Uh, Jimmy G, uh, we talked about this earlier. We'll get into it a little bit here. Jimmy G restructured his contract with the 49ers. Looks like he will be the backup this year. It uh, doesn't seem like they wanted to cut him and get nothing and maybe have him go sign in Seattle. So this is kind of the, the, the compromise that they made. Um, it definitely it, it does make me a little bit more nervous about Trey Lance, not in the sense that I think Garoppolo is going to push him to be the starter out of the gate, obviously. But, I mean, if, if Lance is struggling through five, six weeks, uh, the fact that there is another proven option sitting behind him now, it just, you know, it has to sneak into your mind a little bit that um, if, you're, if you're drafting Trey Lance as your only quarterback, he has, there is a distinct possibility at this point that he gets benched, in my opinion. So I would just say, if you're drafting Trey Lance, uh, make sure you have a option uh, behind him that that you're comfortable with because there is you know maybe it's not a, a huge chance but there is a chance that he is not the starter by week you know six or seven if he plays really poorly 
Yeah, I I mean I'm gonna echo what you a lot of what you said, but I think there's a chance he's not the starter after week four potentially if they're off to like a one and three start or something like that. I mean this is a Super Bowl yeah, roster and Jimmy G's taken into the Super Bowl at NFC championship game last year. Like the bar's kind of set for Trey Lance, which may be a little bit unfair, but with the roster they have and they have a very win now mentality, especially in the division with the Rams and the Cardinals. When you have a roster that good, you got to take advantage of it. Um, so it does make me a little bit more concerned, but my optimistic side tells me any team in the NFL would have taken Jimmy Garoppolo at $6.5 million. Um, so at that point, like I understand wanting him to be your backup. I wouldn't want to have Nate Sudfield or Brock Purdy be my starting quarterback if Trey Lance were to go down. Trey Lance is somewhat mobile, so there's a chance that he could take a hit or anything like that. I see it more as a liability, but if Trey Lance does play bad, the Jimmy G, Jimmy G truthers will come out of the woodworks and uh, potentially replace my QB1. But we'll cross that bridge yeah. when we get there. I truly think this is a smart football move. Anybody in the NFL would have taken him at that contract. And he has a no-trade clause, so it's not even like they – you know, they could dump him anywhere. So it's a friendly deal both ways. I don't think it's like he's going to maliciously try and come back and steal the job from Trey. Trey just has to play good enough to keep it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, from a football standpoint, I totally am fine with the move. I, I get it from the 49ers perspective, but uh, just fantasy-wise, it does make me a little bit more nervous about Trey Lance. Uh, but his upside is still the same as it was before. So if you if you were drafting him before – I wouldn't move him necessarily. Just make sure you have a decent backup option. That's a good point. Lastly, here on the news and notes, uh, Russell Wilson, my boy, signed a extension with uh, with the Broncos. Five more years of Russ on top of the uh, the year that he had left on his contract. I thought it was a very team friendly deal compared to the other quarterback contracts that had been thrown out this off season. Uh, I think the Broncos made out very very well here. Uh, What do you think about the Russell Wilson extension? Um, the, the thing that sticks out to me is Denver wanted to get that extension done, which makes me think Russell Wilson is going to have an insane year this year and they didn't want to pay him Deshaun Watson money next year. So I think he's looking really good in camp. They wanted to get him locked down. He wanted to get some more money locked down. And I think this is just going to be great for both of them. Um, I'm obviously not the biggest Broncos fan being a Chiefs guy, but you know, I will honestly say the Broncos are a very good organization when you look at NFL standards. I think good, smart NFL, good, smart organizations make good, smart moves. I think Russell Wilson is a generational quarterback who is going to, in a way, terrorize the Chiefs by taking second place every year. But good on both ends. I think that <laughs> it's going to work out in the long run. And this just gets me excited for all of Russell Wilson's options this year because I think they are really going to let that offense cook. So. Um, yeah, I yeah, a bit definitely a big fan of the deal. I think for fantasy football purposes, great deal. For Chiefs purposes, I hate it, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely definitely very excited about it. I like the extension, and I thought uh, the, the Broncos got a very good deal out of it. I feel like um, you know, with all the guaranteed money being thrown around this offseason, I was kind of surprised to see Russ de- Russ's deal not be fully guaranteed. I believe it was. Five years, two hundred forty-five million, and a hundred and fifty of it was guaranteed uh, to to Russ instead of all of it. But probably a moot point. I'm sure he'll see most of that money either way. He's very good, and you know he keeps himself in good shape, so he'll probably be just fine towards the end of that contract. 
All right. Uh, we have a lot to get to with these wide yes. receivers, so let's go ahead and get cooking here. Um, so, 1-2-40, guys, starting off with our number one wide receiver. Both of us have him at number one, and that is uh, your boy, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I really don't have much to say here on Justin Jefferson. He's probably had the best two-year start for any wide receiver in uh, the history of the league, maybe not named Randy Moss, but... Um, he's an incredible player and he's going to be heavily featured on an offense that should be really good and might even commit more to the past this year than they have in years past. So, um, really no downsides here with Jefferson. Uh, I mean, I, if you want to take cup over him, I wouldn't argue with you, but I just think, uh, I want to take the younger guy and, uh, you know, with the chance to really just emerge as the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yep. We can keep it really short on him. I would say the one thing that and this is an outside factor, but the reason I have Jefferson over Cup and why I would take Jefferson over Cup is Matthew Stafford's elbow, while the Rams are downplaying it completely, they downplayed uh, Todd Gurley's knee for like a year and a half whenever everyone else knew it was kind of bad. So I think Matthew Stafford's fine, but I, with my first round pick, if I'm grabbing a wide receiver, it's got to be someone surefire. And if Matthew Stafford were to get hurt, that's going to destroy Cooper Cup's value in fantasy. So that's, you know, last point with Justin Jefferson. We can move it on into Cooper Cup here because I think Cooper Cup is amazing. Mr. Triple Crown last year probably deserves to be the consensus number one. Um, but again, just Matthew Stafford's elbow has me questioning if I want to take him in the first round. Not necessarily the player, but other factors uh, on his team. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, honestly. Um, Cup's also into his late 20s, so I think we've seen the best of Cup, and that is obviously one of the best seasons of all time. So that's that's a pretty good best to to have that bar set there for him. But um, I think, yeah, with the, the combination of Stafford's elbow injury, uh, the added competition in the wide receiver room with Allen Robinson and uh, potentially Odell if he ends up signing in the mid midseason, as we probably expect him to, uh, those those couple factors have me putting him at two uh, behind Jefferson at one, but it's not, you know, it's not. There's not a big gap between these guys at one and two. I'd say they're one A, one B up at the top, and uh, you know, then then there's kind of a, a little bit of a cliff after that. So these two guys are ahead of the field at one and two, and uh, you know, either order you want to take them in, I'm not really going to argue with you. But to, to Cody's point, the Matthew Stafford elbow injury is probably the reason that we have Jefferson over Cup. Uh, at number three, we have Stefan Diggs. This is probably the first time we run into uh, a little bit of a difference than the consensus ranks. Uh, Stefan Diggs is at number four overall on most, most draft boards behind Chase, but I just really like the safety here. Diggs has seen 160 targets both of his first two years in Buffalo. There's a lot of vacated targets here, so there's no reason to think that that number is going to go down. If anything, it might go up. Uh, the Bills' passing scheme should stay the same. You know, I mean, obviously Dable left, so there's a little concern there with the with the play calling. But Josh Allen's really, really good, and I think uh, you know Diggs is going to be his number one guy. So I just I absolutely love him at number three. Yep, we both have him at number three. I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, I do also want to highlight the Bills lost Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders this offseason, which were their number two and number three targets on that team. Um, so yep. Stefan Diggs actually saw a dip in volume last year. I expect that to go up. And then if he maintains his 10-plus touchdowns from last year, he's going to find himself as a top-five wide receiver. I completely completely agree that Stefan Diggs is the safer choice um, out of this next guy we're going to talk about. 
I'd understand why people take the next guy we're talking about, but I like at the end of the season, as long as Diggs gets a little bit of that volume back, there's no way he's outside of the top five. Um, so I, I agree. My clear number three and probably the last wide receiver that I'm taking in the first round. Um, Jamar Chase yeah, maybe in a 12-person league, uh, but I, I would probably look for running back at that point over Jamar Chase just because of the scarcity at that position. But Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point to make, actually. I think I would agree with that. I think those are the top the top three guys, Jefferson Cup uh, and Diggs, are the only three I would take in a first round uh, of a draft. I just think the biggest thing for me is that after that, I, I think I would take Kelsey over Chase. So usually you're going to be staring down that decision in the late first round, and I'm going to go with the tight end. So uh, I think that's kind of why I wouldn't end up with Chase on a lot of my teams, just because that's really the decision you have to make there at the end of the first round. But uh, leading into our number four player uh, at the wide receiver position, this is it's Jamar Chase. We both have him at number four. Uh, we've kind of discussed him a lot this offseason, so I don't want to uh, you know hammer, hammer this point too much. I mean, we've kind of already uh, talked about how he probably just doesn't have the target volume that the top three guys have, and that's really the only thing holding him back from being in that group. Um, you know, obviously, T. Higgins on the other side is an extremely capable, also very young wide receiver. So uh, th- those guys are just going to have the hard press to both have really good games each week. I think you're going to see, you know, blow up games from each, but maybe, you know, some dud games from each as well. So I think that's why. We are a little bit lower on Jamar Chase than consensus, but it's nothing about him as a player. I think he may, might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, the combination of the Bengals being uh, a little bit of a slower-paced team and the fact that they don't actually throw the ball a ton compared to uh, other NFL teams just leaves Chase uh, without quite the same opportunity uh, that the other three guys have. So I think that's why we're a little lower on Yep, you nailed it. I I don't really have too much more to add on Chase. Um, I understand why people take him, but I think the the why people oh sorry tongue tied why people are taking him is because of his like fantasy football playoff performances last year. If you had him on your team, he probably won you a championship if you were in the playoffs and in the championship game. So I think he may be just a little bit overhyped because he did perform at the most important time for fantasy players. Um, so again, same thing with Nick. I'm probably taking Kelsey over him. There's probably a couple running backs at the end of the first round. I'm taking over him. Um, he could potentially be the best wide receiver in the NFL, but again, target share is just going to kind of cripple. I think his ability to be the overall wide receiver one. Um, so yeah, yep, I, that I totally agree there. Uh, moving on to our number five player, it is Devonte Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders. I have him at seven. Cody has him at five. Um, I think the if if there's a reason I'm a little bit lower on Adams than consensus, it's uh, it's just that I just don't trust Derek Carr as much as uh, the NFL world seems to. Um, I think with the the combination of having a couple other targets that you know will demand a little bit of volume between Renfro and Waller, uh, and the fact that Adams is coming into you know his first year with his new quarterback. Obviously, they played together before, but it was quite a while ago in college. I just think that um, assuming he's going to continue the same production that he had with Rodgers is a little bit of a fool's errand. Um, I think he'll see a lot of targets, and he could be very good, but I think his floor is a little bit lower than the other guys in this range just because we don't know exactly what's going to happen here. Yes, I do agree with you. Um, When I'm looking at Devontae Adams in the draft, 
I again similar to Jamar Chase, I'm probably taking a tight end or a running back if he's the best wide receiver in my opinion available. Um, because he's still kind of going to be on that one-two turn, maybe slightly coming back through the second round. Um, but you nailed all the big points. I think a downgrade a quarterback and upgrade at the other passing options around him. Um, and my like one of my NFL philosophies is quarterbacks make wide receivers. Wide receivers don't make quarterbacks. So I mean, you're taking what Aaron Rodgers, no doubt, only person he trusted on that offense, a number one option away. And you're going to put him on a team with other options that have been with Derek Carr over the past couple of years. I just can't expect him to produce that same volume. Um, I Again, I think Nick nailed it with you just don't know how low his floor could be. He could potentially be a back-end wide receiver one or maybe, you know, could fall into 12 to 14 if he's just not catching the touchdowns in Oakland. So I think he's just overvalued draft-wise. That's why I don't end up with him on any of my teams. If he fell a little bit further, I think he'd be a good value. Um but I think that's sim- as simple as I could put it. It's just it's tough when you're going from yeah. Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr and you have better options around you. So <laughs> tough to yeah. Maintain. I mean that's really it's as simple as that. Honestly, I, yeah. The downgrade of quarterback and the upgrade to the other passing options is kind of the biggest point there. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Um, number six, we have Debo Samuel. We both have him at number six. Um, Kind of a, it's it's a weirdly similar situation for Debo. Uh, he has the new quarterback. Uh, we don't really know how low his floor is going to be with Trey Lance. I mean, uh, like you said, if, if the ceiling, I guess Debo's floor is not quite as low as it was before the Jimmy G uh, restructuring, because at least now if Lance just, you know, if the bottom falls out there, they do have jimmy g as a blanket to uh to come in there and we already saw debo have an incredible year with jimmy g under center so uh, there is at least that blanket for debo now uh you don't just have to completely rely on lance you know taking the next step but i just think uh you know there's a possibility of this the passing volume heading downward and with uh kittle and iuk in the you know the receiving receiving core there as well we don't really know who's going to be lance's favorite uh that being said He's an absolutely incredible player, and I think his last year gets downplayed a little bit just because of how good Cooper Cup was. I mean, he Debo would have been the wide receiver one most other years if you know, barring the the historically great season. So I think we got to give him a little credit, and I'm I'm totally fine taking him in the middle of the second round, honestly. Yeah, my my only point on Debo that you didn't hit was he is constantly falling to the two three turn for me, or even just before like maybe the third to last pick in I the like second round. Love him there. Like I whenever we start talking about these other guys, I think Debo is he has a clear chance to be the wide receiver one if he can repeat some of the things that he was able to do last year. I am a Trey Lance guy. I think Trey Lance is gonna be really good. I think Debo's a home run pick. Um and yeah, where I think he's falling in drafts in my opinion. I think he should be up there when I'm looking at my rankings, I would take Debo over Devontae Adams if I had to choose a wide receiver in the middle of the second round, and they were both available. So I should probably adjust that. I'm big, I'm big on Debo, uh, and it just stems from being pretty big on Trey Lance as well. Yeah, I would agree. I have uh, Debo one spot ahead of Devontae Adams there. And, yeah, I mean, he's just such an incredible player. It's really going to – I mean, even if Lance uh, doesn't – take the next step i think uh devo is going to be fine kyle shanahan will find ways to scheme him yeah. into the offense awesome. and uh he's just so good with the ball in his hands that it's going to be hard for him to completely bust unless he gets in yeah so. i know like we everyone now that jimmy g's back is acting like jimmy g is like tom brady or something 
he's a he's a middling of the pack quarterback. Like Trey Lance doesn't have to come in and be Patrick Mahomes. He just can't be Jamarcus Russell. So you know he's just got to he's just got to find himself in the middle there, and this team's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, I think so too. I uh, yeah, I don't I like Debo a lot at the end of the second round or start of the third if you can find him at the turn there. Um, moving on to our number seven player, uh, we have C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys. I have him at five. Cody has him at seven. Um, Co- Cody, I'll go ahead and kick it to you on C.D. Uh, do you is there any reason that you're a little bit lower than I am on him, or is it uh, more of just a preference of the other guys uh, in his range? Definitely a preference of the other guys in his range. Um, but if I if I was on the clock, I would even consider taking the next guy that we're going to talk about over him. Um, my thing with CeeDee Lamb, I think he's insanely talented. I just, you know, is this a, a situation similar to like a Juju Smith-Schuster who looked unbelievable as long as he had Antonio Brown opposite of the field with him, and now that CeeDee Lamb is going to have the best cornerback on every possession – every every snap on him is he are we going to see him regress a little bit so that's probably the biggest like the scariest part for cd lamb with me if everything goes well in dallas which almost never happens but if it does he's going to be an insanely (laughs) insanely good player he's insanely talented and they're going to want to use him but i'm just a little bit concerned when you have amari cooper on the other side who draws a lot of defensive attention it's easier for you to make those big plays that he's been making let's see i want to see him do that while the while he's the wide receiver one before I'm willing to invest with invest in him fantasy wise personally. Yeah, I uh, I don't totally understand that. I think um, you know he, he is he does have a little bit of a lower floor than some of the other guys in this range. Definitely uh, lower than the next guy that we'll talk about. But his ceiling is pretty immense without Cooper there. I think uh, Dak has never really been a guy to hyper target one receiver, but he's always had a few quality options i think that's probably more of the reason for for that than you know his tendency as a quarterback so we'll see this year cd lamb is really the only difference making option that i see in that receiving core so he really the the cowboys absolutely need him to become that you know top five fantasy receiver uh production wise for for their offense to to stay at the level that it was last year so we'll see if cd is up to the task but you're right we haven't really seen it from him yet as a true number one so we'll see um we'll see if he can hack it but if he can he uh he has all the opportunity in the world here to really take over as the as the one here in dallas so yeah i agree Um, if everything goes well in dallas there's he's probably the lowest guy we're going to talk about that has a chance to just surprise and be the wide receiver one if he becomes Dak's yeah, favorite I, target, that, that offense does what they did last year and he catches some more touchdowns, 100% could see that happening. Um, so, yeah, that, that's actually a good point. We haven't seen Dak only have you know one really good option at wide receiver in a while. So that is an interesting point I didn't really think about. Appreciate that. Barring, uh, yeah, barring injury to you know a few of the top guys, I think I think that was a good point that you made there. C.D. Lamb is probably the last guy on this list that I could see being the overall wide receiver one. Uh, again, barring injury, like uh, you know if Jamar Chase goes down, Higgins could probably do that as well. But yes, uh, barring injury, C.D. Lamb is the last guy on my list that I could see being the uh, the overall number one here. So. Has a lot of upside, but uh, the downside is not quite defined either. So that's the, the risk you're taking with Lamb there. Uh, at number eight, we have Michael Pittman Jr. of the Indianapolis Colts. He's been rising a ton throughout the preseason. Uh, both of us have him at eight, actually. We both, um, 
you know, we're both a little bit higher than consensus. Consensus has him at number 10 overall. Uh, I just think um, you have a really, really high floor here with Michael Pittman uh, because he is really the he is the, the unquestioned number one on this team. Looking at the other options, I don't think it's even close. Uh, and Matt Ryan, as his quarterback, should be uh, at, at the very least a slight upgrade over what he had last year in Carson Wentz. And he finished, uh, I believe, as the wide receiver 15 last year. So uh, naturally, if you see a little bit of an uptick here, it should be you know pretty easy for him to see himself in the top 12 if he's seeing the same target share he did last year from a better quarterback so I just think that the upside's a little capped here just because of the team philosophy and the fact that Michael Pittman himself doesn't really profile as that elite level athlete that you know maybe C.D. Lamb or Debo Samuel or some of the other guys we've already talked about do uh but yeah I mean he's just set up for success here complete i think i think michael Pittman is just a really really safe bet to finish uh between wide receiver eight and wide receiver 14 basically i think you're definitely getting a low-end wide receiver one here but maybe not somebody that has the potential to work his way into the top three yeah i i'm actually maybe just a touch higher on michael Pittman because i definitely think he could break into the top five top three maybe a little bit tough with the offensive scheme and everything but I love Michael Pittman. I do think Matt Ryan is a slight upgrade over Carson Wentz. Um, when we kind of first started doing this podcast, I was like, I don't know, I, I guess a Carson Wentz truther. There's been so much bad stuff that has come out about Carson Wentz since like the beginning when we started recording podcasts. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe this guy just doesn't get like human, like, I don't like interactions or what, but like everyone who's been around him just seems to hate him. So if who, if, <laughs> My, my hope for Michael Pittman is Matt Ryan gives him the Julio Jones treatment and just throws him the ball 35% of the time. And he's just an absolute volume machine, and I could potentially see him cracking into the top five if that's the case. Um, the only option or the only concern I have is they have Jonathan Taylor on their offense as well who may just run the ball in from 25 yards out you know, multiple times throughout the season and take away from Pittman touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point that I was trying to make earlier. Is sure. I think there'll there'll be some games where Taylor just takes over and Pittman isn't necess- is not necessary, or the passing game in general isn't. Where you know some of those other teams above us just don't really have that guy that can be that dominant. Um, but yeah, I mean if Pittman really does tr- turn into that alpha guy that's getting thirty percent of the targets, he could work his way into the top five. Um, but yeah, with this team's current construction, it's going to be a little tough for him to to get the necessary volume to to get into the top three. But uh, we like Pittman where he's at currently. Uh, take him in the third round if he's there. Uh, number nine, we have Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I have him at ten. Cody has him at nine. Uh, Mike Evans, I, I don't really, we don't really need to spend too much time here on him. He's very consistent. He is what he is at this point. Um, I think you are, you know, you're getting a guy that's going to be guaranteed at least ten touchdowns this year, but. You know, he has his games where he only catches two or three balls and doesn't score, and he kind of has those dud weeks worked in. Uh, that's just sort of the, the, the type of receiver that he is. But, you know, if you if you see him in the, the third round or the end of the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, I, I like the value a lot. Uh, you just kind of – you know what you're getting with Mike Evans. Yep, I agree with that. Um, only – like, if you would have asked me earlier in the summer, he probably would have been number seven, six on this list potentially – but his hamstring already had being an issue and Chris Godwin seeming to come back earlier than anticipated, you know, has me a little bit lower on Mike Evans, but yeah, if you can get him into the third or that three, four turn, I would snag him there every time for sure. 
Moving on to number 10. Uh, this is probably our first uh, hot take, as it were, compared to the fantasy community. Uh, that is Mike Williams. I have him at 9. Cody has him at 11. Consensus. Uh, this is uh, ADP is on Sleeper that I'm going by. He has uh, he is at 17 on that platform. I just really love the upside here uh, with Mike Williams, and I love where you can get him in drafts. Um, I just think that uh, this passing offense has a ton of opportunity uh, for him to emerge as the guy uh, with Keenan Allen kind of doing his Keenan Allen thing. Uh, he sort of is what he is at this point in his career. Mike Williams has a little bit more upside in the way of uh, the touchdowns and just you know big play ability. So I really love his uh, you know his elite quarterback, his his coach, his uh, and his situation. It's just going to be about him staying healthy and being a little bit more consistent. Yeah, I mean you're getting the big play guy on an offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL coming off of an already a really good year last year. So. Um, I honestly, I haven't seen very many drafts where Mike Williams falls to the 17th wide receiver taken off. I think he's a pretty well-known secret at this point. (laughs) So he's been rising. Yeah. It's hard to get him at like what I would consider a good value. But I mean, if if you draft him, you know, around the same area, Mike Evans gets drafted. I think they could be very similar type players. You may have some boom weeks. You may have some bust weeks, but Mike Williams could easily break into the top five, and if um, Keenan Allen were to get injured and miss any games for any period of time, Mike Williams instantly becomes one of the best wide receivers in fantasy football. So, um, you know, if he falls to the 17th wide receiver in your home league or anywhere like that, you take him every time because he's going to easily return value. Where we have him at at 10, you're probably drafting him towards – towards his ceiling but i think we would both agree that we think his ceiling could be more like top five instead of just top ten yeah i totally agree uh definitely an upside play there with williams like him in uh you know the fourth round if you can find him in that range uh number 11 we have tyreek hill of the miami dolphins i have him at 12 cody has him at 10 um, I think the reason that we're probably uh, consensus ranks has him at wide receiver eight. So we are just a little bit behind uh, everybody else here on Hill. Um, I just, I just don't really know what to expect here from this Dolphins offense. We have a lot of uh, moving parts here with Tyree coming in, Mike McDaniel being the new head coach, uh, Chase Edmonds coming in uh, just a lot of moving parts in Miami. And I think Tyree could be, you know, obviously he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, so he could prove me wrong, but I think uh, between him and Jalen Waddle, you're going to have weeks where I think you're going to run into a Bengals situation here with just a slightly worse offense where, you know, one of these guys will have a big game and the other one will struggle to do so because there is only one football to go around each game, unfortunately. So I think that's why I'm a little bit lower on Tyreek than consensus. Yeah. All right. Give me a couple minutes here because I'm about to go in on Tyreek Hill. I've been waiting for us to get to this guy. So for one – would right now would you consider Tua a better or worse quarterback than Alex Smith when Alex Smith was on the Chiefs? I I'd put him in the the same category probably. Okay, so they're roughly in the same category. What was Tyreek Hill with Alex Smith? Super inconsistent, insanely fast guy that could break away a touchdown, but you just never knew what week it was going to happen. I think it's going to be very similar with Tua. So I'm out for Tyreek on that purposes. I think I could see him falling to like a middling wide receiver too, especially with Jalen Waddle, which I'll get to in just a second. My next thing about Tyreek Hill, 
and why I'm completely out on him is I think that he thinks and he knows that he is the top dog in that locker room. I mean, he probably makes the most money on anyone in that team, most established, you know, because of the Chiefs. But, I mean, he started a podcast and he's always, you know, saying something outrageous on there. He's on different social media platforms talking about Tua over Mahomes and all this other garbage. And then this past weekend, he was on a podcast with Jake Paul, and they asked him, would you be handcuffed to Jackson Mahomes for 24 hours to win another Super Bowl or to win this Super Bowl with Miami? And he said no. He would just wait, and he'd win into Super Bowl his own way. And for me, like, I'm not trying to be Mr. Football guy here, but I want players who are all in on football and what they want to do is win a Super Bowl. I think Tyreek Hill has gotten – his head's gotten a little big, too big for him. I'm completely out on him. I, I will let him fall in drafts, and I still won't take him. I I could see this being a complete disaster in Miami. End of my rant. Our resident Chiefs fan showing his uh, Chiefs red uh, in all its glory here today. We'd love to see the hot takes there. Uh, absolutely throwing Tyreek Hill uh, into the flames. But I kind of agree with what you're saying there in general. I mean, I, I think he's, he's kind of always been a little bit insufferable as a human being. Um, but it was under wraps you know, with the Chiefs. College. Like, there wasn't all this nonsense uh, he, all over the place on social media. Because Andy Reid could look at him and just be like, you've never accomplished any of the things that I've accomplished in my life, football-wise. There's no one in right, Miami that can look at him and tell him that. He knows that he's the the big guy in Miami, and he's obnoxious about it. Yeah, <laughs> probably a little bit harder for for anyone to, to hold him accountable in Miami. Like you said, he's got the Super Bowl ring. No one else in that locker room does. So he, he might think he's uh, he's the alpha dog in that locker room. So All right, let's go Chiefs. I yeah, I mean, I Number think... 12. <laughs> <laughs> Showing our colors today, I absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think Tyreek's going to be a little consistent. For and, sure. um, you know, I don't, I don't trust Tua to, to carry two top 15 wide receivers. So I, I don't really see him getting into that upper echelon, but... Uh, we will see with Tyreek. Moving on to our number 12 guy, uh, we have T. Higgins. I have him at 11. Cody has him at 13. Um, I just, I absolutely love the player here. I think that's kind of my biggest thing with T. Higgins is I, I just, I love his uh, his tape. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. He's only 23, and he's got a fantastic quarterback throwing him the ball. Uh, Jamar Chase is really the only uh, fly in the soup here for Higgins. I mean, uh, I think if I think if Chase was not on the team, you'd be talking about Higgins as a as a maybe a first round guy. Honestly, I, I just think he's that good. So, um, totally don't mind T Higgins in uh, you know where you go, where he's going right now. I think uh, I have him at wide receiver thirteen on ADP. I totally don't mind him there. I'd probably take him a little bit higher than that. I have him at eleven, so I would yeah. take him over Tyreek. I would take him over. Um, let me see if there's anybody else in this range. Like AJ Brown, I would take him over. Uh, I would take him over Keenan Allen as well. So. I, I really like Higgins, the player. I think um, I think he's going to have a, a fine season here for the Bengals. Yep, so you took exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say I would take T. Higgins, and I constantly see him getting taken after DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, Corlin Sutton, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, of course. Like He's going behind a lot of those guys, and a lot of my like higher IQ fantasy drafts, T. Higgins is way too good of a player to be going behind those guys and way too good of an mm-hmm. offense. Um, I understand trying to call your shot on a potential breakout on with Corlin Sutton, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, but I think the potential breakouts with T. Higgins. I mean, him and Jamar Chase, could. I think they could both finish as wide receiver ones, which is why we have them ranked there. Um, but 
Yeah, I guess I technically don't. I have him as a wide receiver, too, at number 13. But, yeah, they're both really good in an insanely good offense with an insanely good quarterback. I mean, the only reason why he falls at all in drafts is because he's considered the wide receiver, too, and people think that that's going to make a big deal. It's not. They were both good last year. They're both going to be good again. And if one gets injured, the other's going to be insane. So, 100% draft Higgins, again, above the next three, four guys we talk about, without a doubt, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I uh, absolutely love the player in T. Higgins, and that's another good point. Uh, if one of those two guys goes down, the other one is just going to be an absolute mega stud. I mean, in, an, in a sense that they, they haven't really even been before, which they've already been, you know, top wide receivers in the NFL. So I, I really like Higgins' situation. Uh, number yep. 13, we have another guy that is changing teams here. That is A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. I have him at 13. Cody has him at 12. Um, I think – you know, the the player A.J. Brown has been kind of defined at this point. We have a guy that is uh, an absolutely electric wide receiver that can blow the top off defenses and demands a pretty hefty target share. But at the same time, with uh, this Eagles offense, they have uh, a couple other options in the passing game that, you know, should make A.J. Brown maybe a little bit less consistent than some of the other guys that we've talked about in uh, Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith and the fact that the Eagles just don't throw the ball a ton compared to uh, their peers in the league. So I think uh, A.J. Brown is a fantastic player, and maybe he proves me wrong and just absolutely dominates the target share in uh, Philadelphia, and Jalen Hurts takes the next step as a passer. But I think what you're going to have here is, um, you know, obviously an excellent wide receiver, but somebody that's just going to have – Big weeks and somebody that's going to have down weeks. Yep, and not to fault you at all, but like with the AJ Brown, the thing that kills me is everyone's like, if Jalen Hurts says this and if he, you know, gets the percentage of the target share that he needs, it's a lot of ifs for him. So you're really like, I can understand why you'd want to call your shot on him. You know, him and Jalen Hurts seem to be really good friends. They have a good chemistry, and he's been a really good wide receiver. But he is moving to a very run-heavy team, very small passing pie with what has been a inaccurate quarterback to this point. So calling your shot, I totally get. Um, I would say it was a ranking error on my point, on my part. I think T. Higgins I should have had above A.J. Brown. He should be our consensus 13. And maybe even consider taking some of these other guys above him. Just I'm kind of talking myself out of A.J. Brown live on the podcast. So um, <laughs> feel free to stop me whenever you'd like because this is just rolling downhill for me. But – I just I think I'm a little uh, concerned. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's just like he's really good, but man, that's a lot of like if this happens and if that happens, then he can be really good for fantasy. So it's like ah, I just, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from, but I think the hesitancy I have when I consider moving Brown down is just I believe he is a much better player than right. these other guys that we're going to talk Completely about uh, below him. So that's kind of the big thing that I go I come back to anytime I consider moving him any farther down than I have him right now. I, I don't end up with a ton of him on my teams just because of the philosophy that I have at the wide receiver position, but um, I can totally understand someone snagging him in the third round just for his upside. It's uh, it's pretty massive, and he is a, a fantastic player. So I don't. I don't uh, disagree with anybody there. Yeah. Uh, number 14, we have my boy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, we both have him at number 14. Um, 
you know, this offseason, I've been kind of on the train of taking whatever wide receiver falls farther out of the duo of Judy and Sutton. I think uh, at this point, Sutton has kind of emerged as the one in camp. Uh, most, most reporters that I have seen have, you know, touted Sutton as the clear number one on this team. You never want to overreact too much to this camp hype, but uh, this, this, this drum beat's been pretty consistent uh, since the start of camp. So I, I do have a little bit of separation now between Sutton and Judy, although maybe not as much as most of the fantasy community does. That being said, uh, he has shown decent production with much worse quarterback play than he's going to receive this year. And I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Uh, he's a, He's a great wide receiver, and uh, if he stays healthy with Russell Wilson, it's going to be hard for him to you know, not produce. Yep, exactly. He's Russell Wilson's wide receiver one. Enough said. I Where he's going in drafts, I would take him 100% of the time. And there's been, I think, three drafts where he's gotten taken the pick before me, so everyone who's done that can, yeah, they can go do whatever. But <laughs> I've literally every single time I'm like eyeing Cortland Sutton as it's coming down, like he's going to get there, he's going to get there, he's going to get there. Pick before we taken three times in fantasy drafts. Like, you got to be kidding me. But I agree with everything Nick said. Corlin Sutton's going to be really good. He's the wide receiver one for Russell Wilson. Um, and, again, I think the Broncos are going to let it fly this year. So very high on Corlin Sutton. I can see him easily breaking into a, uh, a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes. If you are ever wondering if we actually care about this stuff um... – Cody tilting live on air here tonight is just really showcasing how much uh, you know heart we put into this fantasy <laughs> content. So if you the people are ever wondering, uh, yes, we, we really do take this seriously, and uh, it's 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 life or death for us in the, in the fantasy fantasy community. So yep. we are really beholden to our takes. Uh, number fifteen, we have Keenan Allen. We uh, we talked about him earlier. I have him at fifteen. Cody has him at sixteen. Consensus uh, has him at wide receiver 12. Um, that is uh, the sleeper consensus has him at wide receiver 12. I think we've we've discussed Keenan Allen enough. We don't need to harp on him too much. I think at this point he kind of is what he is. You're going to get um, 80 to 90 catches. You're going to get 1,000 to 1,200 yards, and you're going to get five to seven touchdowns. And, you know, he'll be a solid player, but he just doesn't have quite uh, the upside that some of the guys in this range do. So I sort of end up going for the you know swing for the fences a little bit more with the, the guys around him generally yep if you're listening don't draft keenan allen above any of the guys that we have already talked about i in my drafts i saw keenan allen going he was i mean borderline two three turn in some drafts and like my draw was on the floor like i guess people have never heard of mike williams or anything but i <laughs> keenan allen i think is just getting overdrafted you know what his ceiling is he has a high floor, but where he's going in fantasy drafts, I would rather take a shot on a player that could break out as opposed to getting what you expect out of Keenan Allen. I think it's more of just an ADP game. I can get consistency you know, a round or two later, a couple rounds later, and get someone like a Brandon Cooks that kind of fills that same role on my team. So I think it's just more of an ADP thing, but where I've seen him go in drafts, I would probably have never taken him with so far in fantasy. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it there. I think Keenan Allen's a, a very useful player for your fantasy team. Would be like a fantastic wide receiver too uh, to pair with maybe a more high upside guy. But like you said, where you have to take him right now in drafts, it's just not quite worth it for us. I think there's more uh, high upside options where 
you would have to draft Keenan Allen around him. Yeah, so I don't know where uh, I both cut of us off. are kind of just, fading him coming into this year. Yeah, I just randomly activated Siri. So I don't know if you got the full Keenan Allen ramp, but yeah, just don't draft him above <laughs> the other guys. That's all I have to say. Uh, moving on to number 16, uh, we have DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers. I have him at 18. Cody has him at 15. I'll go ahead and kick it to you to start with DJ Moore. I'm a little bit lower than consensus, so I don't know if you want to give a defensive DJ Moore or if you want to just give me your thoughts on him in general. Yeah, I don't have really a big defense because I totally understand. My notes for DJ Moore is, oh, DJ Moore, dot, 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 who knows? So, I mean, you <laughs> you have to expect for him to have like like if you draft him here I think you kind of understand that he's probably going to finish in this range like you're not taking him to break out he has the ability he's a really good wide receiver but I mean has there ever been a really good fantasy wide receiver under Baker Mayfield to this point no is DJ Moore maybe one of the best wide receivers he's played with maybe I don't know I just with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback that's just where he doesn't have that upside where a lot of the guys that we've talked about do um, I think the player is unbelievable. I think the upside's ultimately capped. Um, but if you draft him in this, you know, fourteen to eighteen range, I would put money that he probably finishes there, barring he plays, you know, fifteen, sixteen games. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. You uh, you touched on it there with Baker. Um, I'm just not a Baker Mayfield guy myself. I mean, I think he's a fine quarterback, but not someone that's going to elevate DJ Moore into, uh, you know, elite wide receiver status. I think you're going to see kind of more of the same of what you've seen of DJ Moore's whole career, which is flashes of brilliance, but mostly inconsistent. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to finish as a back end wide receiver too, like he has pretty much every year of his career so far. Um, hopefully for him, uh, his high and touchdown so far in his career is four. So, if he's able to, you know, come back to the median a little bit and get some more touchdown luck, he might uh, might prove us wrong here. But I, I think it's just more about our non-belief in Baker than it is about DJ Moore as a player necessarily. So anything you want to touch on with uh, anything else with DJ Moore there? Or can I move nope. on to our number 17 player? Nope. Let's go. Number 17, we have Chris Godwin. This one uh, may be considered a little bit of a hot take. Uh, sleeper ADP has him at 31. I find that kind of hard to believe. I think that might be baking in some drafts that happened maybe earlier in the off season because I feel like he probably does not fall that far in most drafts these days. With uh, the that would put him right behind camp, Michael Thomas. There's no shot he gets yeah, drafted behind I, Michael Thomas. So I don't. <laughs> I agree so, with you. Yeah, I mean, I I think that ADP is probably a little misleading, but I think it's still not where we have him at 17. I would say he's probably looking at you know the mid 20s, maybe sure. lower 20s. But either way, uh, I have him at 16. Cody has him at 18. I, I just I really like Chris Godwin this year. I think this is more of a just calling my shot thing than it is necessarily, you know, I, I don't know how healthy his knee is. I, I obviously, uh, I have a lot of investment in him. I, I talked about how I took him in our uh, four-man keeper league earlier today. Uh, but um, that being said, I, I just love the player. I think uh, when he is healthy and on the field, he is Tom Brady's clear number one target, even uh, ahead of Mike Evans uh, from a volume perspective. So in any sort of half and full PPR situation, Godwin obviously gets a bump as well because he's uh, a little bit more of the possession guy. But um, I'm just betting on Godwin coming back healthy, trusting the camp reports I've seen so far. And, you know, if if he is healthy, it I just I think about it this way: if if Godwin was coming into the season completely healthy, where would you take him? 
Um, I would take him probably at number eight ahead of Michael Pittman. So I, I think getting him here at number 17 is, you know, worth the risk at this point. Yep. If you are, um, if you're listening 55 minutes in, you're getting a gym here. Make sure you take Chris Godwin. Um, not even, I mean, if you could take him where we have him slotted as the 17th wide receiver. And if he has an okay year and plays, you know, 13, 14 games, he's going to finish above this ADP. So, um, like Nick's, Nick nailed the biggest point. He is the target hog on that offense when he's out there. And it, there's nothing more frustrating as a Mike Evans fantasy owner than seeing Chris Godwin on the field at the same time because that dude gets so many targets. So, um, again, Nick and I, like, there's no secret information. Like, we're honestly just telling you because that's we, we believe in the guy. And if his knee is ready to go, and you can get him even here in fantasy, your team's going to be stacked. I mean, unless you butcher picks before this, it's going to be hard to get Chris Godwin as the 17th wide receiver and not have a good-looking team going into the week one. Yeah, definitely a little bit of a swing for swing for the fences pick, but that's just kind of our, our general philosophy in fantasy, or at least mine, uh, is sort of that high-risk, high-reward um, you know idea that's that's just that's where i lean in drafts when uh push comes to shove so when i'm looking at dj moore or chris godwin um i have dj moore one spot ahead or excuse me if i'm looking at a chris godwin or chris or keenan allen i think that's just kind of the the type of player that we're looking for is a guy that has the potential to be a top 10 guy if everything breaks his way yeah. as opposed to somebody who's just going to be a safe wide receiver too so so now the safest uh, wide on. receiver in, in the history of the nfl <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Number 18, uh, that is Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans. Um, I have him at 19. Cody has him at 17. Consensus has him at wide receiver 23. Um, I think we both like Brandon Cooks, but this is all about where he's going in drafts. So, uh, again, I I think um, we we just talked about how we really like those high upside, high variance players. Brandon Cooks, not necessarily that. I think on a game-to-game basis, you would qualify him as that receiver, but by the end of the year, uh, the odds that he is going to finish as a top five to ten wide receiver with uh, Davis Mills throwing him the ball are pretty low, in my opinion. But uh, if you can get a guy like this in the sixth round, at that point, you know you're you're talking about your flex spot, maybe even your wide receiver, you know, your first bench guy. Uh, that he is just he's too good to be that low in drafts. I, I, so I think um, he his his value overrides my fantasy philosophy i guess is how i would say that yeah that's a great way to put it honestly because a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about for at least the next five or six after him all have way higher upsides than brandon cooks does but his consistency value definitely is is worth i would say reaching for him a couple spots early in drafts especially if you take some higher upside guys like a aj brown or a, a mike williams or someone like that Brandon Cooks is a good guy to you know put in that flex spot and just get those consistent points and then let your boomer bust players win you weeks. Um, so yeah, I I don't really have much more to add on Mr. Consistency. You'll draft him at the end of the wide receiver two category or tier, and he'll finish as a wide receiver two, probably you know fourteen to eighteen if I had to guess. Yeah, nobody beats their ADP quite like Brandon Cooks. Always uh, undervalued in fantasy drafts. Uh, moving on to number 19, we have Marquise Brown. Uh, I have him at 17. Cody has him at 22. So I'm a little bit higher on Marquise. And I think uh, if you know the type of player that Marquise Brown is, you probably aren't wondering why I do. <laughs> um, I think that uh, 
again, you're looking at a guy that is very boomer bust week to week just because of the type of routes that he runs. But moving to Arizona with his college quarterback uh, in Kyler Murray, uh, especially having the opportunity in the first six weeks to be the number one guy. I uh, I really like the odds. You know, if, if Marquise Brown does emerge as just a you know elite number one receiver with Murray and the offense is working with him as the number one guy. I'm not really worried about DeAndre Hopkins coming back because they're not going to go away from him if, you know, the the football is, is happening well for the Cardinals. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to change what you're doing at that point. Even with Hopkins coming back, I think it'll just be a compliment to what Marquise Brown does. Those two receivers kind of uh, play off each other well, in my opinion, as a, uh, just with, with their uh, opposing skill sets. So I'll, uh, I'll let you kind of give the dissenting opinion on Marquise Brown here. Yeah, I I – I am coming to coming around on on your reasoning with him, but I I think D Hop coming back is a huge deal. I because it ultimately is just going to cap his ceiling. Um, now, if you're getting him at the wide receiver twenty two, I don't mind that. But I've seen Marquise Brown getting overdrafted in plenty of leagues, which maybe has just um, gave me a little bit of distaste for drafting him. Uh, but the thing, the thing about the draft is you really are drafting for those first six weeks because after six weeks, you're going to have waiver wire pickups, trades, all these other things that are going to happen. And your roster could look you know, 50% different. So I'm not going to factor in the D-hop thing whenever I'm drafting him, so I'm still going to take him where he's going. Um, I just I would not reach for him in order to add him to my team I guess I don't mind him I think he's going to be a good player I just don't think that his uh boom potential is worth his bust potential um again not worth going you know before wide receiver 20 in my opinion that's totally fair I uh, I get your dissension there with Marquise Brown I uh you know again just kind of my my philosophy leads me to taking more shots on guys like this that uh like you said Marquise Brown really has an opportunity in these first six weeks to showcase himself as a uh, as a true number one wide receiver in this league. We will see if he's able to capitalize on that opportunity. For sure. At number 20, we have Jalen Waddle, the other half of the uh, Miami Dolphins duo there. Um, Jalen coming off a fantastic rookie season for the Dolphins, uh, over 100 catches as a rookie. Pretty incredible stuff. Um I have him at 21. Cody has him at 20. Consensus has him at wide receiver 16. So we are a little bit behind. I think it's, you know, more of the same of what we talked about before with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I think you're going to just have weeks where Hill's yeah, dominating the target win. share, yeah. or just okay. scores a couple, be uh, you know, a couple long touchdowns, and Waddle just doesn't have anything left there. So uh, and then the, the vice versa for for Hill as well. So I, I think Waddle's a great player. Uh, I just don't know if Tua has the chops to support two you know, top 15 guys. Yeah. If I had to bet my money on it, I would say he doesn't. So <laughs> I would say that yeah, definitely has <laughs> why I have Jalen Waddle a lot lower than consensus, but, and I will bet my money on it. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, that's ultimately what it comes down to. You heard my Tyree kill rant. It is what it is with him. Jalen Waddle. I have a little bit more of a, a happier feeling towards. So one, I do think that there is a chance that him and Tua just already have an established connection from all the way back to their Alabama days into the NFL. We've seen other cases where, um, you know, wide receiver college quarterbacks maybe work really well in the NFL as well. So maybe Jalen Waddle is just able to establish himself as, you know, a 
1A, 1B to Tyreek Hill. My concern, again, goes back to Tua. I don't think he can support a 1A, 1B situation. I think you're looking at, on a fantasy perspective, a 2A, 2B at best-case scenario with Tua at your quarterback. So, again, agree with Nick. Love the player. I think he could be – I think he would have been a great fantasy pick this year if Tyreek Hill wasn't on the team. But I don't want either half of who Tua is throwing the ball to this year. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think two is kind of the the main limiting factor here with uh, with Waddle in our in our ranking yeah. here. Uh, and I have the reverse being a opinion. Bit behind consensus. Yeah, I have the reverse opinion about our next guy. So <laughs> this uh, this next guy has been a uh, a bit of an interesting case this offseason. That is Jerry Judy. He is at number twenty one for us. I have him at twenty. Cody has him at twenty three. Um, this is all about the upside play here with Judy. Uh, Obviously, a, a high draft capital wide receiver going in the first round of the Broncos a couple of years ago has not shown elite production at the NFL level quite yet, but he's had quite a few mitigating circumstances that would, uh, you know, offer some people a chance to give him a pass with yeah, uh, throwing him the ball, Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> throwing him the ball, getting hurt last year. Um, he finally has an opportunity uh, with Tim Patrick going down, especially to be a top two guy in a presumably really good offense with a great quarterback. So we'll see if Jerry Judy is able to step into uh, that role. We haven't seen him do it yet. That's kind of why you see him down here at, uh, you know, the end of the wide receiver two territory. But, uh, you know, I, I like his prospects. I, I think that, you know, the at this point in the draft, taking a, a shot on a guy that has a legitimate opportunity to be potentially the number one guy for Russell Wilson is absolutely worth the risk. So uh, consensus has him at wide receiver 26. If you can get him that late, you know, that's, that's probably fifth, sixth round. I, I like the pick. Yeah. I love the pick in the fifth or sixth round. Um, again, say, like the opposite of the last take I had with two and not being able to support two wide receivers. We already know Russell Wilson can, I mean, he had Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf in Seattle, and exactly. they were also very run heavy and he was still able to support two wide receivers. So again, this just comes down to my philosophy is quarterbacks make wide receivers. So giving Jerry Judy a top quarterback in the NFL, he's going to be produce more than he has in any other season, regardless if you think he has the drops or anything like that. So um, this is a huge value. I understand like Corlin Sun's definitely breaking out as the number one. I'm getting those same reports that Nick is, so I, I understand him going you know, earlier than Judy. But if you miss out on Sutton, I would target Judy. I am going to want a piece of Russell Wilson's offense this year. Um, he may be the second option there, but I would guarantee his second option is better than a lot of the first options you're going to see. So, Yeah, I, uh, I, I echo what you said there. I like Judy at his current value. And, again, we, we don't know what how this is going to shake out. It's possible that Judy is the one over Sutton. And, again, like you said, even if he isn't, we've seen Tyler Lockett be a very successful fantasy asset for uh, – the Seattle Seahawks in a couple of years past, and he's been, you know, the presumptuous, presumptuous number two behind DK Metcalf. So yep. um, they profile pretty similarly as well uh, as far as their play style goes. So we'll see how it turns out. But I like Judy at his current value. Uh, number twenty-two. Moving on to Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. 
I have him at 24. Cody has him at 21. Um, since you are uh, a little bit higher on Darnell Mooney, I'll go ahead and kick it to you uh, to start off here. Yeah, Darnell Mooney's my boy now. I got him on a fantasy team finally. So he <laughs> is uh, going to the moon this year. No, um, in all honesty, Mooney. 100, yeah, exactly. 100% <laughs> volume play. Um, I think his upside ultimately capped because their offense is just going to be really bad. They are coming off a really, really good last preseason performance. Justin Fields looked really good. So if we could see some more of that, that would be wonderful. And I then he'd be a home run pick at that point. Um, but I think his volume, very similar to this next guy we're going to talk about, is going to be worth drafting him this late. Um, I actually think I got him in two different fantasy leagues. Again, relatively later compared to his ADP. So um, I, I'm personally I'm a big fan of Darnell Mooney. I, I think he can have a big year. I mean, I think he had a relatively big year last year. It's just if he if the Bears had a good offense or if Justin Fields would have shown a little bit more than he did last year, I think Darnell Mooney could have skyrocketed up into the teens somewhere. So um, I, I personally think he's a really good value. Yeah, I, I like Mooney. I think he's uh, he's fine where he's going right now. If you can get him as your uh, your wide receiver three or four or in your flex, I, I like that For sure. uh, as, you know, a, a little bit more in half in PPR leagues as well because, like you said, I think he's he's mostly a volume play. You're going to see a ton of targets here between him and Cole Komet in this offense because they don't really have much else behind them That uh, as far as proven NFL talent goes. But um, I just think um, – I, uh, the reason I'm maybe slightly lower than you are on Mooney is I just don't see the upside here that I do with some of these other guys in this range just because of the Bears as a team limiting him. I think there's just going to be weeks where the offense doesn't do much, and it's going to be hard for him to you know have consistent elite weeks with uh, the offense not producing on the whole. So he's going to just have to have such a large share of that pie each week to uh, – to be a consistent option, but uh, you should see a lot of targets here. And uh, you know he's he's a home run hitter. He'll he'll catch the occasional long bomb. So he he has that relative upside. It's just the team is kind of the limiting factor here for Darnell Mooney. So yep. uh, moving on to number twenty three, kind of a similar story, honestly, here with Deontay yep. Johnson. I have him at twenty eight. Cody has him at nineteen, uh, a little bit higher than me. This is probably our first relatively large disagreement as far as our rankings go so since you are the Deontay Johnson guy in the group here I'll go ahead and let you start it off yeah for sure um so first thing with Deontay Johnson he was the absolute target hog of Pittsburgh last year um and I I completely understand there's a quarterback change it's not going to be Big Ben dumping it down to him every uh possession so that's why I don't have him higher I mean I think if we I mean, if we expect the same thing he did last year, he would be up in the teens as well. So I do expect him to take a little bit of a step back. But if you're in a full PPR league, I don't think there's very much on that team stopping Deontay Johnson from um, getting, you know, 100-plus receptions. And one thing with Deontay Johnson, with either Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, that he can do better than I think anybody else on that team is he creates space. He, like you don't have to throw contested balls to Deontay Johnson because he can just he can make people you know whatever whatever I'm trying to say he just makes he can get open he gets open it's open passes you know you're not having to throw jump balls like Claypool or you know George Pickens we'll see how he works in George Pickens could be the surprise of the draft surprise of the world and take over this wide receiver core but if I was putting money on it I would put the money on Deontay Johnson and I think he's just 
he's going to be able to do at least similar to what he did last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think my hesitation here with Deontay just stems from uh, the quarterback position in Pittsburgh. I really just don't know what to expect there as far as uh, the distribution of targets goes uh, with Claypool, with Fryermuth, with uh, Pickens entering the fold, being the star of camp there. So um, I'm just not quite as confident that he's going to have anywhere near the same target share that he did last year. And without that elite target share, uh, Deontay Johnson, not incredibly efficient on his targets. So I think he really needs that target share to maintain the elite production that he had, uh, maybe with a new quarterback that, you know, doesn't have a noodle for an arm anymore. Like Ben did last year, uh, that the offense will be a little bit more successful and he can increase his efficiency. And, you know, if that happens, I will eat my words on Deontay Johnson. But if you're asking me to bet against, um, Mitchell Trubisky and, or Kenny Pickett, I'm probably going to take that bet just because, you know, we haven't seen them produce at an elite level in the NFL yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to generally, gravitate towards guys with more certain quarterback situations uh than you know than Deontay finds himself in unfortunately I would honestly say I think Deontay's ADP is actually closer to where you have him than where I have him ranked and where Sleeper has him as his current ADP because I can I know for a fact I got him one two three four five five wide receivers lower than where we have where he slotted on our list and at that point i think that he's i think we would both agree because that's the number you'd have him at then he's a perfectly fine value i maybe have him a little bit higher on mine because i have the eight like just adp baked in over my last couple of drafts that i was able to get him relatively late um but yeah i agree his upside is just kind of capped with trubisky and um Kenny Pickett, but I don't think Big Ben was very good, so maybe you know he can just again be ninety percent of what he was last year. And if you draft him there, he's going to turn out perfectly fine for your team. Hour fifteen into this pod, if you guys are still listening, I we really appreciate it. We will try to cook through these last sixteen wide receivers yep. here, so uh, all of us can uh, get through this and get the information that we need for our drafts. Let's uh, number twenty-four. Uh, let's just go one opinion each, and if we strongly disagree, we'll give the opposing take. But I think on a lot of these, we kind of agree on, so let's just kind of burn through them. Absolutely. Number 24, we have Terry McLaurin on the uh, Washington Commanders. Uh, I have him at 25. Cody has him at 24, a little bit behind consensus there on McLaurin. And I think this, uh, we're just going to echo a lot of the stuff we've already talked about with uh, these guys with uncertain quarterback situations. Obviously, we know who his guy is going to be. We just don't know what version of Carson Wentz we're going to get week to week. So, I have a first-round rookie coming in here for competition. Uh, Curtis Samuel is still healthy at the moment. I haven't checked my phone (laughs) in a couple seconds, so he might have gotten hurt in the last couple minutes, but he is still on the field as of now. So um, I just don't know. I think Terry McLaurin's going to need an elite target share to to, to vault into the top 12 wide receivers. I I just think what you're going to get is what you've gotten with McLaurin the past couple years. Low-end wide receiver two, boom weeks, but uh, a lot of bust weeks as well. For sure. Number 25, we have Allen Robinson. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised to see myself below consensus here on Robinson. I actually find myself liking him in drafts uh, where he's going right now in the fifth or sixth round uh, generally. Um, But I have him at 23. Cody has him at 27. I think think the lack of upside here is probably what is driving Robinson down slightly for me. Uh, I think that 
you know, on a really good Rams offense, he could find himself uh, with 10 or 11 touchdowns at the end of the year. And that's, you know, that could, that could make him a top 12 wide receiver, but beyond the outlier touchdown season, I just don't see Robinson, you know, having a breakout year in that regard. Uh, I like his value, but not, uh, not a ton of upside here. Yeah. Draft value. I don't necessarily mind. My biggest concern with Allen Robinson for a season long perspective is if Odell comes back and gets signed to this Rams team, um, him and um, uh, Allen Robinson are going to share probably a, a pretty similar role. So um, I think for draft wise, he's going perfectly fine. I honestly, I because when you're on the turn of a draft, you're supposed to quote unquote call your shot on guys. He's one of those guys that I see a lot of people calling their shot on, and I think that there's other players I would rather call my shot on than Allen Robinson. Um, so if he falls to you at what you consider a good value, I would say go ahead and take him. But I, he's not a player that I'm going to personally reach on because I have to have him on my team. I think that just reflects in my rankings personally. Well said. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good point there. I like Robinson, but I wouldn't reach for him. Like you said, I think that's a, that's a pretty good way to put yeah. it. Uh, number 26, we have Gabriel Davis of the Buffalo Bills. This guy is uh, really all about the boomer bust here we're a little bit different than the robinson take that we just had um davis has not shown elite nfl production in his career to this point not even anywhere close to where he would need to get to uh, justify this draft selection that being said uh, he finds himself as the uh, current number two target in a fantastic buffalo bills passing offense he could absolutely go nuclear, and he has shown the pro. She has shown the ability to do that. Obviously, uh, everybody remembers his game against Kansas City last year with the four touchdowns and 200 yards. Um, so he's got all the potential in the world, but again, we just have not seen anywhere near the production that he would need to uh, justify this selection. Uh, I clearly, I like him. I have him at 22. You have him at 28, though. So I'll let you give uh, your possible possibly dissenting opinion here on Gabe Davis yeah I don't I don't dislike Gabe Davis if he was going as the 26 wide receiver off the board I probably would be willing to take my shot on him in one of my leagues he's not the kind of guy that I'm gonna litter my my teams with um the, the big thing with a big upside is you again you have Cole Beasley and you have Emmanuel Sanders leaving that team that's over 100 targets total between those two that are now going to go probably between Stefan Diggs, uh, Gabe Davis, and Dawson Knox. And I think the biggest thing uh, limiting Gabe Davis's upside is everyone is downplaying the value of Dawson Knox. Um, when he's healthy, he's a red zone target. Josh Allen seems to love going to him. Um, so I, I think Knox – that was going to be tough to say. I think Knox – knocks down Gabe Davis a little bit for me in my <laughs> rankings. Um, but Well said. Yes. Again, if if you want to take your shot, because you're going to have to call your shot. This guy's not falling in drafts, to say the least. So it's he is a riser. 100% sure. calling your shot. I probably wouldn't call it in all of my drafts, but if you want to have a share of him somewhere, I totally get it. Yeah, I think the, the main reason I like him is because of the value. You know, you get him in the fifth or sixth round. We, we see some guys reaching for him in the fourth. Uh, that I don't, Craziness I don't like that, that quite as much. Yeah. So yeah, I would go ahead and uh, if he's there and and you can get the value on him in the fifth or sixth, uh, I, I like that. But again, don't reach on him too much. He, he he's been a little bit of a darling for some people. So uh, we'll see if he's able to capitalize on the promise. Number twenty-seven, we have DK Metcalf. Uh, yeah. I have him at twenty-six. Cody has him at twenty-five. Um, 
we've talked about this Seattle situation and uh, our proclivity to want to stay away from the uh, the bad quarterbacks of the league, especially for our wide receivers. Um, and Metcalf, unfortunately, finds himself with potentially the worst quarterback situation in the NFL um, in uh, in Seattle right now with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I think uh, you're gonna. This is this is your prototypical. Uh, Metcalf will catch long touchdowns, and those weeks he will be good. If he doesn't catch a long touchdown, he's going to struggle because he's going to have to, you know, get four to five, 15 to 20 yard catches from Geno Smith. You know, that's just not something you want to rely on uh, week to week. No, my my big note for DK Metcalf, at least he doesn't have Drew Locke throwing him the football. Um, he, he did show, <laughs> he did show a, a couple point. productive weeks with Geno at, at quarterback last year, but again, on a season long basis. He's going to catch some long touchdowns. He's going to have some weeks where he can get up there in that 8-10 to 10 catch range and just have really good weeks. And then there's going to be other weeks where Geno Smith just couldn't hit the broad, you know, couldn't hit a – couldn't can't hit him. So he's that, – that's my biggest issue with him is bad – the worst quarterback play in the NFL unless someone gets hurt combined. Like if Jimmy G would go – would have gone to Seattle, like if he would have got cut, went to Seattle, DK Metcalf takes a huge jump. But I, I'm not going to – at this point, you're kind of putting him on your like flex, so it's like okay, but like I just don't really want to have to rely on Geno Smith getting my getting one of my players the ball. So uh, yeah. I think he's he's I so good. I just I wish he wouldn't have gotten signed, so he could have got traded to somewhere with a good quarterback because he deserves it. He's amazing as a player, personally. Yeah, it is. It is relatively disappointing from a fantasy perspective to to have to watch him catch passes from either Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Um, but we'll see if DK is able to rise above the, uh, the circumstance he finds himself in. Um, but I think we're kind of fading him at his current cost. Uh, number 28, we have Amon Ra St. Brown of Detroit Lions. Uh, this one's a pretty interesting case, uh, had a pretty incredible run to end the year last year, the last, uh, five or six games of the year. He was the wide receiver three overall. Um, but at the same time, you had uh, a DeAndre Swift injury and a TJ Hawkinson injury in that time frame that sort of vaulted his target share into pretty ridiculous territory. He was kind of routinely seeing 10 to 12 targets in those games. I think he's going to struggle to find that same target share uh, this season and on a team that you know, is coached by Dan Campbell is probably going to be more committed to the run than your average NFL squad will be, especially with Derek, uh, excuse me, with uh, Jared Goff throwing uh, the ball there in Detroit. Um, I just, I just don't see it here with Amon Ra, honestly. I, I, I like the player. I think he could be a, a fine option as a wide receiver moving forward, but I, I just don't really see how he has a breakout year in this offense unless you know, he sees injuries to a few of the pass catchers once again. Yep, I agree. I'm not going to add too much more on Amon Ra. Um, I think he's a good value where he's going in drafts. Is he going to repeat what he did to end the year? No, but um, like this next guy, next couple guys we're going to talk about, I could see him outproducing them. So I don't necessarily mind where he's going in the draft. Um, he's another guy that kind of falls a little bit just because he plays for the Lions. So if you can get him at value, I, I totally understand. Yeah, definitely a little bit more valuable in uh, half and PPR leagues as well. So definitely note that uh, non-PPR leagues, I would absolutely be fading St. Brown. And then I like him a little bit more in full PPR. Yep. Uh, number 29. You go ahead and take this next Rashad. guy and I'll be right back. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, number 29, we have Rashad Bateman of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, 
kind of an interesting case here with Bateman. Um, it's really going to just depend on how the, the Baltimore Ravens end up uh, attacking from an offensive uh, philosophy perspective. You know, this whole offseason, they've been big on moving back to that run first uh, situation that they had a couple of years ago with Jackson. They were really at basically a 50-50 split between run and pass, which is almost unseen today in the NFL. Uh, but if Bateman uh, is able to step into that number one role and uh, the pass volume stays a little bit closer to where they had it last year, he could be a great option at this point. I think um, I think you're looking at a guy that is pretty boomer bust at this point in the draft, but at wide receiver 29, I really don't mind that at all. Pretty interesting here. He's actually wide receiver 29 for me, Cody, and the consensus. I think that is uh, the only player other than the, the top couple guys that that, that criteria meets, yep. but... Um, so we see Rashad Bateman right at his value. I like him. I think he has kind of a, I think there's a chance he's absolutely nothing for your fantasy team, but there's a chance that, you know, he's Marquise Brown from last year, which is, uh, you know, a top 10 to 15 wide receiver. So, uh, I think you're taking your shot on Bateman. I don't mind him where he's going right now, but I, I probably wouldn't reach for him in the same sense. Yep. I, the only thing I uh, want to add to that is I agree. I would not reach. I think in, Excuse me. In all of my standard redrafts and a few of my like single keeper leagues, he was definitely dra- like taken way too early, in my opinion, above some of the guys. A lot of the guys we've talked about for like the last twenty minutes. So, I, again, he's another guy I wouldn't reach on him because you're still getting a small passing pie, and he's the number two behind Mark Andrews. But if he can fall to that like mid twenties, grab him there. That's where you're going to get the value to turn out. Like if you're drafting him. You know, lower teens, it's going to be tough for him to return that, return a lot of value for you. So, as for my last tidbit on Rashad Bateman, I think the player himself, again, is incredible. It's just his circumstances have him, have me questioning his ultimate upside. So, number 30, we have Elijah Moore uh, of the New York Jets. I have him at 31. Cody has him at 32. Uh, This. Kind of a similar situation to Bateman in the sense yeah. that uh, we have a young guy here that we really like from a talent perspective, but just has a questionable situation around him uh, from a passing perspective, especially uh, the Jets with Zach Wilson coming back from that knee injury he sustained in week one of the preseason. He should be back in the first couple weeks of the year, but I'm not even sure if that's a good thing for Eli Moore's uh Fantasy value, um, I really, really like the player here. He showed the ability to be uh, an alpha number one last year uh, from a target share perspective and from just the ability to beat you know, good corners in the NFL. Uh, he was kind of the, the guy towards the end of last year, sort of emerged in this offense. So he saw coverage and beat it from really good corners. I, I like to see that, but, man, it's just it's tough. Uh, you're going to have to trust – Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco week to week uh, to get him the ball, and that's that's the reason that he finds himself at thirty. Yeah, I mean, when you're drafting him here, it's it's the ultimate you know boom bust play because again the quarterback situation is very questionable. So I don't want to rant on about bad quarterback play, but yeah, if you take him and he's bad because of quarterback play, it's just something you got to expect. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think that's a good point. And I, I think but the, the larger point here, these guys like Eli Moore and Rashad Bateman, uh, I think you want to take your shot on at least one of these type of players that just have maybe a questionable situation, but huge upside if everything breaks their way, just because 
you know, those are the type of guys that are going to win you your league, uh, yeah. as opposed to the, you know, the guys up top, because you're expecting them to be good. You know, that's, that's not going to make a difference that the guys at the bottom are the ones that are really moving the needle for you. For so, sure. uh, number 31, we have Michael Thomas of the new Orleans saints. I have him at 33. Cody has him at 31. Um, Really tough player to evaluate here. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on Thomas all off season. I uh, was down to start, sort of rose on him uh, in the you know early portion of the proceedings here with training camp, but then I've sort of um, faded back uh, a little bit on Michael Thomas here just because of his. Uh, his troubled injury past and, um, you know, just not really knowing how this situation in New Orleans is going to shake out with all the new faces there. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and then Thomas himself really hasn't been there for about two years. So um, hard to know exactly how him and Jameis are going to play together. Um, I, I Again, I, I would kind of throw him in the boat with Eli Moore and Rashad Bateman yep. in the sense that he could be a top 12 wide receiver if, uh, you know, if he is the true number one here and, emerges uh back to close to the player that he was uh you know a couple of years ago but he could also fade into the second or third option on an offense that doesn't throw that much so uh, that would not be you know a valuable situation yeah i i think when you're drafting my i mean when we start getting to these guys you just really got to start taking shots on guys like we said with rashad bateman eli moore um michael thomas i mean you're ultimately calling your shot with him you think he's going to return i mean in all honesty, you wouldn't draft Michael Thomas if you knew he was going to finish as the 31st overall wide receiver because you'd imagine he's just kind of going to be pretty blah most of the time. So you are really hoping he kind of breaks out. I would rather call my shot on some younger guys who kind of have something to prove. I'm just kind of out on Michael Thomas in general most of the time when I'm drafting. It's just it's not a good situation. There's a whole lot of turnover and new faces in, in New Orleans. And I think you said he hasn't been there. So he's kind of a new face to a lot of the other offensive weapons around him. So exactly, I, I'm just – he's – I don't really – I haven't drafted him in any leagues yet. There hasn't been any time where, like, he's been, like, him or this guy. So I think, in my opinion, that kind of just takes him off my draft board at this point yeah and i think uh another problem you kind of run into especially with home leagues maybe some people that don't do uh as much research he is a name that just gets recognized so he might get pushed up a little bit uh, on draft boards just because of his name recognition as opposed to some other guys in this range like rashad bateman eli moore uh saint brown a couple other guys we'll talk about in a minute but yeah i mean i think that's part of the reason his adp gets pushed up a little bit as well so we're both a little bit out on Michael Thomas, it seems. Uh, number 32, we have Christian Kirk of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I have him at 32. Cody has him at 33. Um, kind of a forgotten man, honestly, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, until recently, I really haven't seen much uh, in the way of talk on Christian Kirk. But, uh, you know, the Jaguars did give him that big contract as, uh, you know, as laughed at as it was at the time. They clearly see him as, you know, a difference maker on a team. Uh, it, it is worth noting that Trevor Lawrence did heavily target his slot receivers in college, and uh, that is the profile that Kirk has. He is probably going to be their slot guy. Um, that is where he excelled in Arizona, so it makes the most sense for Jacksonville to use him in that role and uh you know it's a small sample size but we saw him and Lawrence play one half of football together in the preseason and he got eight targets so uh that's a pretty encouraging sign 
I like taking my shot on Christian Kirk at this point of the draft, and you can usually get him a little later than we have him at 32. I think uh, Sleeper Consensus has him at 41. I think that's probably about right. He might be rising a little bit, but you can get him in the 8th or ninth round, yeah. and I, I like that. I don't think he's rising line. at all because he's fallen to me in every draft I've been in. So I, I've been taking a lot of swings on Christian Kirk as well. Um for all the same purposes that Nick gave, and I am a Trevor Lawrence truther. I think he's going to have a really good year, too, um, kind of getting out of the shadow of Urban Meyer. So don't want to rant on Christian Kirk too long. He got a lot of money but probably doesn't deserve a long rant. So we can move on to the next guy. Number 33, we have Alan Lazard of the Green Bay Packers. Um I have him at 27. Cody has him at 39. Uh, pretty big disparity there, but I don't know how much that is uh, about how much we you know, view Lazard differently necessarily. I think that's just kind of speaks to the fact that a lot of these guys are really close together once you hit once you get past the first uh 25 wide receivers it's you know there's not much separating the rest of these guys from each other so uh, i don't know if you disagree with me there uh i will just give my take on lazard uh and then you know we'll, we'll let you yeah. maybe disagree with what i just said there but lazard i i think has the chance to be aaron Rodgers' number one guy and really you know that's that's all there is to it even if he's not the most talented player in the world Aaron Rodgers' number one guy has a chance to catch 10 touchdowns, and if you catch 10 touchdowns, he'll be well worth the pick at wide receiver 33 where we have him right now. Yes, I, I do agree with everything that you said, and I don't disagree with your first point. I or Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that a lot of these guys between low 20 even through 40 are kind of coin flips, and you can kind of just get to call your shots on some of these guys. Um, Alan Lazard, I think that my eighty, like my ranking of him, just had his ADP kind of just baked into it because I know that I can rank him a little bit lower and still get him at number, you know, thirty nine sometimes. Good point. So that's probably why. Because whenever I am looking at these guys, you're right. I'm probably taking him over a couple of the guys we've already listed, depending on my team makeup. And probably the rest of the guys we'll talk about again, depending on my team makeup. I completely agree. Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball to somebody, two-time uh, back-to-back MVP. And, again, like I said earlier in the, in the podcast, it's like the fourth time I said it, quarterbacks make wide receivers. Wide receivers don't make quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is great. Someone's going to have to be good to great on that team. I It could very well be Alan Lazard. In my opinion, I always thought Alan Lazard was more favored by Aaron Rodgers as opposed to MVS. Um, so I – is Alan Lazard going to be Devontae Adams? No way. But can Alan Lazard be drafted at number 33 and finish in the top 15? I think so. Absolutely. So I, I agree. I think my rankings had some ADP baked into it, but he's an absolute steal as late as he is going. Number 34, we have Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. Um I have him at 39. Cody has him at 30. I think this is kind of the perfect player to uh, conceptualize the the philosophy that we have sort of driven home to this point. Um, I, I think Thielen will finish higher than I have him ranked, uh, unless he gets injured. Almost no doubt about that. But again, the the, the app the upside is extremely capped here with Adam Thielen. Uh, what you're getting here is an elite red zone option on a good offense, but somebody that's going to struggle to produce elite yardage numbers, especially with uh, other options in that offense kind of emerging. You got KJ Osborne getting a lot of buzz. Obviously Jefferson is the clear one there. Um, 
So I, Thielen's not a guy I end up with a ton of on my teams. I like him a lot better in uh, deeper leagues where, you know, his value can be a little bit more defined above, you know, whatever your replacement level player is on the wire. But I just don't really see him, you know, making a huge difference uh, at this point, even in even this late in the draft. I think you can find other guys that have the opportunity to uh, really break out. Yep, I agree with everything you just said. I have him ranked at 30, but I would definitely take some of these other guys um, before him just based on breakout potential. I mean, his the ceiling is very capped. He's not going to lead the team in the receiving core at all. So you're really just hoping for touchdowns with Thielen and uh, – you know, that can leave you wanting a lot more, a lot of weeks. So I would probably pass on him for some of the other guys we've already talked about for sure. Number 35, we have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I have him at 35. Cody has him at 34. Um, seeing Hopkins this low in the ranks is kind of jarring, but <laughs> then you remember that he got popped for PEDs earlier in this offseason, so he will miss the first six games of the year, and that is the entire reason that you see him down this low. I uh, don't have any reason to believe that Hopkins will not be a really productive player when he comes back. He's been basically that the entire time he's been in Arizona and the entire time he's been in the NFL, to be quite honest. But um, with the addition of Marquise Brown and the possible emergence of you know, him as the wide receiver one here, I think there's reason to be a little skeptical about Hopkins. And he has kind of a feeling problem where um, – you know, his upside is a little bit capped, especially with uh, the other elite option on the other side. That being said, uh, I think at 35, his, uh, you know, Hopkins is still one of the best wide receivers in the league when he's healthy. So I, I think that you can guarantee you're, you're going to be getting basically a wide receiver two at worst case scenario when he comes back. And at this point in the draft, um, you know, that's that's I don't mind taking your shot on uh, on Hopkins here. I just I just really value those early weeks in fantasy. So if he falls far enough, I'll take him. But most of the time I'm going to be drafting somebody that's going to be playing in the first couple weeks. Yep, you nailed uh, you nailed it there with your last comment. And um, yeah, I mean, where he's going, like the thing about drafting D-Hop is he's not coming back from an injury in week seven. Like he's fully healthy now. He's going to be healthy when he comes back. So, like, that's why, like, if you want to draft him and you expect him to come back and be really good, I can understand that side as well because, you know, he has been really good and he hasn't been bad on an NFL field to this point. And, again, it's not an injury that's keeping him out. It is it is a suspension. So, um, don't mind the pick if you want to stash him for a while. But I do tend to agree with, I do tend to agree with Nick that I want to draft players that I can play or drop for other players on the waiver wire as opposed to having to stash someone for six weeks. Yeah, uh, that's basically uh, the, the biggest point right yeah. there is just that early season. Uh, early season value is is really where you find uh, the, the fantasy you know difference makers. The next guy, too. Imagine telling yourself two years ago these two guys are going to be 35-36. <laughs> that's crazy. Number 36, we have Amari Cooper of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I have him at 36. Cody has him at 35, so we're pretty aligned here on Amari Cooper. Um Probably the lowest number one option on a team that you can find in these rankings. Maybe uh, another guy that we're going to talk about later, you could argue he's the number one on that team, but I think he has a little bit more competition for that uh, for that mm-hmm. role than Cooper does. But this is all about Jacoby Brissett throwing him the ball. Uh, Brissett has consistently been 
um, you know, a drain on his receivers compared to quarterbacks he has replaced. He's kind of had the burden of replacing some pretty good quarterbacks in his day to this point, so maybe that's not entirely fair. But I think uh, Cooper's going to really struggle to consistently produce with Brissett. And then, you know, uh, you do have Watson coming back eventually, but it's going to be in week 12. Uh, excuse me, actually, I think it's week 13, but yeah. it'll be the 12th game that the, uh, the Browns play. And then at that point, I mean, I, I think Cooper will obviously get a bump in value, so you have to consider that. But I, I how how uh, you know how much connection are they really going to have right off the bat? I don't know for sure, and that's not a lot of time before your fantasy playoffs start to uh, to get a gauge on what the situation is going to be. So I think I'm probably going elsewhere uh, in this range. Yeah, I've passed on him plenty of times in drafts. We can go on to the next guy. Number 37, we have Drake London, somebody that I far prefer to guys like Cooper and Hopkins uh, at this range in the draft. I have him at 34. Cody has him at 38. Um, Again, I I think this is kind of just to our philosophy. We've spoke to this entire time. We prefer the guys that have the upside and will be playing. Uh, It is worth noting that Drake London is dealing with a knee injury. He sustained in week one of the preseason, still not practicing, so... Keep an eye on that. If he if he's not playing in week one, I would probably bump him down a, a couple of spots at least, but um, not considered a serious injury. So he should be back sooner rather than later. But that being said, uh, you know, the number eight overall pick in the draft for a reason and has a ton of opportunity here. Unfortunately, has Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball. But that's the reason that you're finding him at 37. If he had a competent quarterback and was the number one option, he would be much higher than this. So I think you just have to hope that he is that good and just makes you know makes the difference uh, there for Mariota on the outside. You know, if you want to call your shot on a rookie wide receiver this year, I would say Drake London or maybe Chris Olave would be the two that I'd be like wanting to take my shot on in drafts. Um, I think those two could easily be the number one on their team if things go their way. London more easily just because he doesn't have Michael Thomas there and Jarvis Landry, but I don't consider Landry a one anyway, so. Um, but yeah, I think this is perfectly fine value for him. Um, and again, he's going to be a necessity on that team. So even if he maybe isn't the most efficient, I think volume is going to work out, you know, even as a rookie, he's definitely going to be, I would say playable by, you know, week two, week three, as long as his health is there. Yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, again, he just has the upside that some of these guys in this range don't really have because we just don't know what type of player he's going to be yet. But he was the eighth overall pick for a reason. So uh, number 38, we have Devonta Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, unfortunate offseason for Devonta Smith. I think um, without A.J. Brown signing, we would have seen him a lot higher than this. Uh, I have him at 37. Cody has him at 36. Um Tough, a tough call here with Devonta Smith. I mean, a second-year wide receiver was really was solid last year. Uh, maybe he wasn't quite as good as his peers in the uh, the first round of the draft. So it, it seemed like maybe a little bit of a disappointment. But on a really run-heavy team with a questionable thrower of the football and Jalen Hurts uh, delivering him passes, I think he performed pretty admirably for a rookie wide receiver, uh, especially at his frame. So. 
I, I like Devonta Smith in this range. Um, I think it might take an injury to Goddard or uh, Brown for him to be a consistent option. But, um, you know, I like a lot of the variables you've got here. You've got a, uh, a young quarterback who's got the chance to get better. You've got a young wide receiver who should be getting better as well. And you've got a good team that should be scoring a lot of points. Yep, I I think you said enough. Again, I just want to echo your concern that this is probably Jalen Hurts' third guy. So that's that's the only reason he's down this low. I think he's super talented, and if he was on, you know, a roster with maybe a more, he's a little bit smaller of a wide receiver. So I think that that's why AJ Brown's going to be favored in that offense. Is if Jalen Hurts is a little bit inaccurate, AJ Brown can go up and get it. Devontae Smith can do that to a certain extent. So. That's why I think he's just the clear number two behind A.J. Brown. And then, you know, where you want to have him up with Dallas Goddard is in question. So, And then, again, it's Jalen Hurts trying to make all three of those guys fantasy relevant. I would bet against that personally. And I don't mind if you want to take a flyer on him because he is going pretty late. But I'm probably going to take a flyer on another guy personally. Yeah, it is, it's just kind of tough. I mean, I, tough. I like Devonta Smith as a player. Sure. I just really like Goddard and Brown. I think those are they're, they're just elite-level players at their positions, and I think uh, Smith has the potential to get there but isn't quite there yet. Yeah. So that three unless there's an injury to one of those two. Of, like, elite wide receivers that came from Alabama, they asked all those guys who they thought the best one was, and they all agreed it was Devonta Smith. So the talent is absolutely there. It's just, can his talent pick up Jalen Hurts and make I don't know like again Jalen Hurts making three guys fantasy relevant I'm willing to bet against that so it's it's whether you think Goddard or Smith is the number two guy in my opinion and I kind of lean Goddard I think you've kind of convinced me of that so um, again probably the reason why I'm just gonna lay off of him Number 39, we have Robert Woods of the Tennessee Titans. Um, I have him at 40. Cody has him at 37. Um, I think this would be a classic case of a guy that I think in a deeper league has value. Uh, might be the number one target on the Tennessee Titans, and getting someone that is the number one target on their team at wide receiver 39 is a pretty good shot to take just because, uh, you know, I, you, it's hard, you're hard-pressed to find guys that are even a second target and they're in their offense at this point in the draft. Uh, we just talked about a guy that we were con- uh, speculating as the third target on his team. So Robert Woods does have that going for him, but really, you know, does not offer the upside that we want from our bench receivers. Uh, you know, we kind of know what Robert Woods is at this point, or we hope we know what Robert is Woods is at this point coming off of that knee injury from last year. He looks healthy and ready to go, but uh, again, a 30-year-old wide receiver uh, with Ryan Tannehill throwing on the ball on a team that heavily favors the run. Uh, I I just don't know how much upside there is here, but if he's the number one guy, he's probably going to smash this ADP. Yeah, he'll beat this ADP for sure. But like you just said, you know, coming off the knee injury in a run-heavy Tennessee offense, and I mean. A.J. Brown has been really the only wide receiver that has looked really good with Tannehill. So, I I don't know. I, I'm Again, Robert Woods, I mean, he is completely the anti of Nick's drafting strategy of drafting for upside this late. <laughs> so, um, surprised he even snuck into your top 40. But if you just want to take the, the volume play as the wide receiver one, that's fine. But I think there's other guys in this range with higher upside, like a Drake London, that... I would personally rather take my shot on than, you know, go with the safe Robert Woods. But there is a point where Robert Woods does fall far enough. 
he becomes a value just to add to your team for injury purposes or anything like that. I don't want to discredit him, but you know, if you're still looking in the top forty, I would take I would take maybe a little bit more of a higher upside guy. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's uh that you absolutely nailed it there with that last point. Yeah. Uh, number forty, our last receiver, Cody. We've almost gotten through this marathon, and the last guy we need to talk about is. Your Kansas City Chief Juju Smith-Schuster coming in at number 40 for us. I have him at 38. Cody has him at 41. Um, Juju, uh, he has had an interesting offseason. I think at the beginning of the offseason, we were both kind of in on him as a sleeper. It kind of looked like he was profiling as the the number two behind Kelsey. But as the offseason has worn on, uh, lots of buzz coming from MBS, lots of buzz coming from Sky Moore, uh, lots of buzz coming from some other players in Chiefs camp. And Smith-Schuster has been there, but he's been dealing with a knee issue. And uh, more and more, I'm just thinking that uh, this Kansas City offense is just kind of be you know Travis Kelsey every week and then another guy stepping up uh, each and every week, not necessarily the same guy. So... I think Smith Schuster is just kind of in a crowded situation uh, in the wide receiver room. We'll see if he's able to, you know, emerge uh, past those guys. But I, I think he's just going to have uh, a little inconsistency problem. Yeah, I'm glad Juju snuck into our top 40 because I couldn't imagine talking about receiving options in the NFL and not being able to bring up Patrick Mahomes. Like that's pretty yeah, freaking remarkable. Pretty wild. <laughs> um, I think I think one of these guys is going to have tremendous fantasy value. Um, if I was a betting man, I would probably bet on MVS um, over Juju. I one of them is going to be good. Like as much as we think that this is just going to be completely spread it out, uh, you every single week, I I think there's going to be a guy who ends up becoming the clear number one and. I think Sky Moore, I don't think he's going to get integrated enough, um, you know, starting in game one to really be that guy. Um, I think I actually had MVS ranked above uh, above him. I think, yeah, I had MVS number three. Yeah, you have MVS at four. Oh, I have him at 40. Well, either way, I I would rather take my shot at MVS. I think that with Mahomes at quarterback, call your shot on one of these guys don't overdraft them but get a chiefs receiver on your team because there is a chance one of them does become the number one and if that's the case you have the number one wide receiver with patrick mahomes throwing him the football so don't let the separation of targets scare you away from potentially getting a league winner whenever you have someone like mahomes throwing the football that's the main point i want to hit there that is going to do it for our wide receiver uh, ranking show there, Cody. Uh, thank you for going through that marathon with me. Yep. Uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, glad we finally got through all of our uh, ranking shows so we can really move into uh, the meat of week one content coming up here very soon. Yes. Uh, you know, this Sunday we're going to have to start working on preview shows. So it's it's the football season is really just about here at this point. Um I'm getting pretty excited, and I can't wait. Uh, a week from today, Cody, we will be watching NFL football. Yo. How excited are you about oh, that? Oh, I cannot wait. I could bet on it, too, legally, just to remind you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think I might. you might have to place some bets for me, <laughs> Cody. So I think that's you're just going to become my new guy. So For good. sure. Thank you for, for letting me know that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, no, we'll definitely have an NFL predictions uh, episode out next week. And then, yeah, I mean, next – and next week it kind of starts. I mean, we're going to be ramping up, putting out, you know, a weekly shows for who you should start, who you should sit, 
weekly results show, waiver wire pickups, you know, again, previews. Um, I was going to throw the idea to Nick. I want to do a betting show that we release on Saturdays, which is just we each pick three te- three games. We keep a season-long tally, so that would be potentially a fifth show we throw out there each week. So if you stuck around for an hour and 50 minutes of this show, just share it with a friend because obviously it was entertaining enough to stick for two hours. So, um, <laughs> again, lots of content coming out, and any way you could support us, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Nick, do you have anything else here? No, uh, I think you covered everything that I wanted to talk about there. Uh, just absolutely pumped for this NFL season. Finally, ready to uh, you know stop talking about these guys and uh, no see more ifs. How many of our takes are completely wrong? You yep. know? Yeah, no more ifs. Yep. Can't wait to see you know Alan Lazard, wide receiver six through like the first four weeks, and everyone's <laughs> just gonna be like, oh, why did he fall so far? It's gonna be amazing. Can't wait. All right, peace out, All right, everybody. Thanks, Cody. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we will talk to you soon.